Hey folks, Dave DeBow back at you today, zooming in from beautiful Folsom, California. We've got a real estate entrepreneur, Phil Smith, who is doing something near and dear to my heart. He's doing rent to own real estate investing, which I did for a number of years, but he's got a very interesting twist that I'm excited to talk with him about. So Phil, welcome to the show. Great to see you. Thanks, Dave. Appreciate you having me on. So tell us a little bit about what got you into real estate and specifically what got you into rent home. So uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a general contractor and he built houses from the ground up. And uh, when I would go to the job sites with him, I'd run around these houses and I'd be amazed. Okay, what's this room going to be? What's this room going to be? So yeah. that's really where I you know, fell in love with you know, housing in general and, and building to, uh, to a lesser extent. Um, so, uh, my parents had a couple of rentals, uh, when I was in my teens and I, uh, learned that I definitely didn't like all of the, uh, tenants, toilets, trash, termites, how, all of that how, good stuff. How, how did you learn that, Phil? Tell, <laughs> tell me the, the story that really stuck in your mind that just said, I don't want to deal with this. Yeah. So they got a couple of calls in the middle of the night from their tenants saying that, oh, this is wrong and that's wrong and everything like that. And then my parents were sort of reluctant landlords. They liked the idea of the rental property. They didn't necessarily want to have to deal with the people that were living in the property so much. So, so. so you you probably heard a lot about it around the dinner table, especially the day after those 3 a.m. phone calls. You know it. So uh, they wound up uh, not holding those rentals too terribly long, but it was something that you know appealed to me. And I... Uh, I'd sort of, you know, looked at real estate and sort and thought it was a great way to uh, to create some generational wealth um, while I was, uh, you know, working my W two job. So I had come very close to pulling the trigger right around two thousand five, two thousand six, when everybody was getting into real estate. Yeah. I don't know why, right? <laughs> uh, but for some reason, I held out, and uh, so I didn't have to go through that great big crash. Uh, and, um, but, uh, when things sort of settled down, I decided I wanted to get back in it and try it again. And, um, so, yeah, so I started, uh, really back in the sort of late 2000 teens and, um, did a few flips in this area. And, uh, so, so did you take any training, get edu any education about that, or just because of your construction background, you kind of knew what to do. So I, uh, I have a great network of, uh, of people that I've worked with here um, that I thought would be you know, amazing to in order to do some flips here. Um, while that is good, there's a certain amount of it that you have to do yourself, or at least mm -hmm. I felt like I had to do myself. So um, I had done some training previously, but I did have the construction background. Right. So I wound up getting involved in a few different coaching groups, um, you know, some online training, read a ton of books, lots of YouTube uh, university. Um, but, um, you know, once I really got involved in a couple of uh, key coaching programs, I was really able to take off because for a while I wasn't sure exactly what in the real estate space that I wanted to do. Yeah. So how did you kind of come to the conclusion that, creative type deals, owner financing, subject to type deals and rent own were where you wanted to land? Well, I, uh, I definitely like doing creative uh, deal structuring. That, that to me is very interesting, is very, um, you know, you're thinking outside the box a little bit. And um, the fact that was when I first got started, I didn't have a ton of money to put aside uh, towards it. 
And in order to make my wife a little less nervous, I decided, yeah, let's do something that's not going to require a ton of money out of pocket up front. Because <laughs> she's probably busted your balls because of all the money you invested in the education and the coaching and all that stuff, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you know, the question has been mentioned more than once, you know, so when are we going to see a really good profit out of this? Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully you're not getting that question anymore. Hopefully, No, no, we're making a regular profit now. So we're in nice. much better shape. But for a while there, it was a little, a little touch and go yeah. on whether or not I'd be allowed to keep working on this. <laughs> Awesome, my friend. Well, I'm, I'm glad you came over the over the hump on that one. So walk us through what your real estate investing business looks like right now, Phil. So currently, uh, I live just outside Sacramento in Folsom, California. However, I invest in uh, Alabama and Georgia. Nice. Uh, the reason why is that housing prices in this area are insane. Yeah. And after I sold a, uh, you know, really a little piece of junk house, you know, 1,400 square feet, three bedroom, two bath for over 400,000, I was like, man, there's got to be, uh, there's got to be a better way to do this where my money goes a little bit further. Right. And uh, one of the coaching groups that I was in, um, there was a, a young lady there who was in the middle of doing a subject to deal, but she wasn't quite sure how to do it and wasn't quite sure if she should do it. And I said, well, I've done subject to deals before in the past. If you so so maybe maybe def, maybe explain to folks who don't quite understand what subject to deal is, Absolutely. what does subject to mean? Sure. So subject to is purchasing a home subject to the existing mortgage staying in place. So and basically I, you get ownership of the property, but the mortgage stays in the original owner's name, if I'm not mistaken. Is that you correct? You got it. Absolutely. So that's the that's our preferred method of purchasing homes. So we purchase the house, title transfers to us, we get the deed, but the mortgage stays in the seller's name for a few years. You know, right. that could be as soon as you know, one or two years, it could be longer. However, you know, we don't have to go to the bank and qualify for all the uh, different mortgages, you know, get our financials run through the, uh, the, the mill all the time. Mm -hmm. And we don't get capped out at 10 or 15 properties that you typically do when you're uh, getting regular financing. So Got it. by doing Got it, it this way, we're essentially, you know, can have unlimited properties. Very good. So you just, so you bumped into somebody that was working on one of those deals uh, but I guess it was in Alabama or Georgia. Is that correct? It was in Alabama. Yeah, okay. it was. It was uh, a suburb suburb of Birmingham, and mm -hmm. uh, turned out the house was going to auction in about three days. So we really didn't have a whole lot of time, and she was just ready to let it go. So um, anyway, we got uh, involved. We found out what the reinstatement was, um, and it wasn't a huge amount. Uh, we talked to the seller. We figured, you know, negotiated something for him looked at what we needed to do and we were able to put the whole thing together within a couple of days. Nice. All right. So, so maybe walk us through. That was the, that was the first deal. What year was that in Phil? Do you remember? That was 2020. Okay. So, so right three, year, three years. Yeah. Three years ago now. Yep. So you found this distressed property in Alabama. You guys got it up to speed. So it wasn't going to be lost at, at auction. Give us an idea of, if you don't mind, of numbers. So like how much cash did you guys have to come up with to, to get that deal going? What was the purchase price? Were you getting a bit of a 
a deal on it there. And then how did you, how are you exiting that property? Sure. Well, we still own the property today. Um, so we purchased the home, you know, taking over the uh, payments on that ex- existing mortgage subject to, yeah. uh, we wound up paying the seller $5,000 to walk away from the house. Okay. We had to pay about $15,000 in arrears in order to, to uh, stop the uh, foreclosure on the house. To, to, to keep the bank happy. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. So, 20, so you didn't do it for about 20. Yeah. yeah. They owed about 60 on the house. And ARV on the house was about 150. Okay, so there you go. Yeah, so it you're, needed you're, a little repair, but we, you know yeah. we did a few repairs on it. And then what we did is we turned around and we sold it with owner financing mm-hmm. um, to a uh, a young couple just getting started who couldn't quite qualify for regular bank financing. Uh-huh. So they gave us a ten thousand dollar down payment, and then they are paying us. Uh, it's about eleven forty a month. And our underlying mortgage payment is about 700 a month. So we've got a nice $400 spread per month on that property. Um, And we've got a little bit of money left in the deal. But I mean, we've got a great back end whenever they decide to cash us out with a refinance or it just keeps paying us 400 bucks a month for perpetuity. Oh, that's great. Now, I can can hear the thinking caps on people going off and they're thinking, okay, Question number one, why didn't the seller just list it with a realtor and be done with it instead of walking away with just five grand in their pocket? That would be question number one. So question number one was, he just really wasn't that motivated to do anything initially. You know, a lot of people will kick that can down the road until it becomes a real big problem. And this at three days before the auction was a real big problem. He was going to lose that house. So either he it's, gets- it's mind boggling, isn't it, Phil? Mm-hmm. It's just mind boggling how some people think or don't think. Yeah. Like I, he just I ignored understand. the problem until yeah. it became until it became yeah. too in his face. He couldn't ignore it any longer. Yeah. And then once he uh, realized that, oh, I'm either going to get nothing and then my credit's going to get ruined and, you know, I got to figure out where I'm going to go and I got all this stuff in here. You know, he decided that it was uh, he was willing to cut a deal. So uh, we no. cut the deal with him. We took over the mortgage payment. He's since referred us a couple of other uh, potential uh, customers. Well, he too. probably hangs up with a lot of people just like him. He loves us. <laughs> <laughs> we helped him. We saved his we saved his house from foreclosure. Yeah, he doesn't well, live in it anymore. And, but and, we and, saved it from foreclosure. And you probably give him a nice little referral fee if you do any deals from the people he refers to you too. So Absolutely. Okay, so that was the first question. That's well answered. Second question would be, okay, what about the bank? How does the bank feel about schmuck face there that wasn't paying them forever and they ended up owing them 15 grand on a $60,000 mortgage for crying out loud? So th- that meant he did not pay for a long time. <laughs> yeah. So how it. did how did they feel about you, not him, bringing the, the, the mortgage up to speed and then him transferring title to you but you guys not qualifying for that underlying mortgage what what did the bank have to say about all that so when we buy a house we buy it by uh, purchasing it in a in a land trust so you know we title it the one two three main street trust and as far as the bank is concerned they just think it's you know a uh, an asset protection uh, situation where the title is just being passed from the individual owner to a trust so, so his own, it could be his own trust, 
They don't know who thinking. owns the trust. That's just right. a they're trust. Right? It's a trust. They're yeah. thinking, but they're thinking, not a big deal. It's probably original owner's trust. That's yes. why they're not freaking out about this. And honestly, they're more important. What's more important to them was getting that $15,000 and regular payments going forward. Yeah. Right. You know, we could write a check that says, you know, our you know company name on it and that we're paying this mortgage and they don't care. Honestly, <laughs> everyone talks about the due on sale clause where, you know, a mortgage can be called if it's transferred without the bank's authority. But I have yet to you know, find out about it or see it happen. I mean, I've got some wood here um, or nor do any people in our coaching yeah. group, which you know, really specializes in subject to and creative financing. You know, I'm up here in Canada and Canadian banks are crazy conservative. However, I did a few creative wonky type deals back in the day, subject to, and same, same thing. As long as they're getting, as long as they're getting paid, they really don't care that much has been my experience. So, exactly. okay, very good. So the bank doesn't really care. And you guys very, very smart. You're doing this in a land trust, which just makes it very hard for anybody to know who really owns the thing. And okay. So it's a win for the seller. They're, they're able to get out of there. Big win for the bank. They're getting brought up to speed and regular payments. So now you've got your end buyer in the property, a couple that couldn't quite qualify for traditional bank financing. They came up with 10 grand for a down payment. Now, did you do a lease with an option to purchase with them or did you do an actual owner financing deal with those guys? So with this one, we did an actual owner financing deal. We did a contract for deed um, you know, or a land contract, which is where basically they have equitable interest in the home, but they don't have legal title. So we um, keep the title in our name, which gives us a little bit more protection. Mm -hmm. And then they make an installment payments to us on the home. Now, one of the things we ask our people to do when we uh, when we sell them a house, whether it's on a you know lease with a, an option to purchase or a uh, contract for deed, is we want them to be working on some sort of credit repair. Because mm -hmm. while we like the regular payments, they're probably paying a little bit more per month to us than they would if they got a conventional mortgage. So we're hoping to get them into a conventional mortgage in the not too distant future. We're shooting for one to three years. Nice. And that makes sense, right? Because at the end of the day, the 400 bucks a month cash flow is nice, but the 60, 70 grand payday at the end is where you really make your money, correct? Absolutely. And that's one of the uh, the selling points that we, uh, that we uh, certainly talk about when we're uh, dealing with potential sellers. Um, like, look, we don't make our money on the deal really until the back end of this. We might make a little bit up front or leave a little bit in the property and we'll make a little bit monthly, but really where we make our money is at the back end. So it definitely benefits us for them to get themselves credit worthy so they can get that regular conventional financing, refinance that mortgage and pay us off at the back end. Very smart. So Phil, next question I've got for you is, how are you typically finding these kind of properties, these kind of situations these days? So we market a couple of different ways. Um, we do a little bit of SMS, you know, text blasting to people. Um, we, uh, we pull lists uh, of uh, foreclosures 
and we do door drops and then follow those up with some calls some texts and some mailers. Um, we also um, do, um, I'm trying to think now, we do uh, radio ads and really? we do bandit signs. Yeah, so nice. we, do, uh, we do a few different um, art outreach uh, methods. Okay, so you are in Folsom, California. These deals are around Birmingham, Alabama, and God knows where in, in Georgia. How are you managing all of this from afar, especially the door knocking, especially the, the radio ads, the bandit signs, all the stuff that typically requires somebody to actually physically do it? What do you guys do? So... Um, I have a wonderful partner who was that young lady who we did that first subject to deal together. Oh. So after we completed that deal, about a month or so afterwards, she actually came out to uh, Lake Tahoe to go skiing. Um, turn, that's about an hour drive away from me. Okay. So I drove up there. We talked a little bit. We sort of you know, decided, you know, I enjoyed working with you. You enjoyed working with me. Do we want to do a few more deals together? So we wound up forming a partnership and uh, and created a company called Smithwell Group uh, that's based out of Alabama. And um, we've done multiple deals together. Nice. She is our boots on the ground. She's the one who goes out and meets with people. Um, she's from Georgia originally, and she's got this sweet Southern drawl that just, you know, drips honey, right? <laughs> and so she is the, she's the, the face and the voice of the franchise. So She's recorded our radio ads. She's the one who gets on the phone and talks to the sellers when they call in. And then I do a lot of the uh, behind the scenes things, okay. um, you know, working on our marketing, our financials, our, uh, our course of our business, things along those lines, contracts, all the fun stuff that most people don't like to do. Yeah. Okay. That's a really good partnership because yeah, you don't need to be there. You don't need to have face-to-face -face interaction with anybody. Once the deal gets up and going, then yeah. You're, you're kind of the details guy to make sure that everybody's doing what they should be doing along the way. Smart. That's a very, very good partnership arrangement there, Phil. So cool. So with these kind of properties, doesn't sound like you typically need a lot of money to get into them, but sometimes you probably do need some money. Like I'm, I'm sure not everybody's on foreclosures door when you're doing a deal with them and you know not everyone is quite that desperate um are you doing deals with people that just for whatever reason would prefer to work with you than sell it with a with a realtor but they do have a chunk of equity in the property that they like like to access so there's a number of reasons why people work with us um yeah. you know so we do uh, deal with people that have quite a bit of equity however we do target uh, when we're pulling lists and things along the, those lines, homes with low equity, because, mm. you know, if someone's got low equity, oftentimes they don't realize that it's going to take them eight to 10% of the sale price of the house in order to sell it with a, a realtor tradition. Yeah. By the time you factor in inspections and closing costs and title insurance and, you know, uh, repairs and things along those lines. So if someone's been in the home for a short period of time and didn't put a lot down, in this crazy market that we had sort of leading yeah. up to now, you get a lot of people that while they may not be upside down in the house, they don't have a ton of equity or they yeah. have no equity. Mm -hmm. And so if they were to sell the house, they've either got to you know, sell it themselves or they've got to come to the table with money. 
And so when we approach them that way, we, you know, we explain the situation. It's like, look, it's going to cost you, the, you know, X number of dollars to sell the house this way. And it's going to take you, you know, anywhere from two to six months in order to sell it. Well, we can buy it in as quick as a week and we can pay you out your equity right now. So if you'd like to work with us, we're interested. If you're not, then that's fine too. Right. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. So, so when you do have to come up with some cash to pay, people, to pay people's equity out or do repairs or bring their back payments up to speed or what have you, uh, are you guys self-financing all of that? Or do you work with investors? Do you bring on private capital? What, what, what do you guys do in that range? So when we first started out, when we were trying to you know, figure out proof of concept, we did it all with our own money. We wanted to make sure that this was going to work before we started asking other people for money. Um, but since then, we've uh, we've raised over a half a million dollars uh, of private money that we've been able to put to work for some properties. So we've done a few yes. flips. We've done a few wholesale deals. But our uh, our preferred method is either buying with owner financing or subject to and then turn around and selling on the uh, lease with the purchase uh, option or uh, contract for deed. All right. So one last question, as because time flies when we're having fun here, my friend, but I, I could talk about this stuff all day. I love it. Um, and so what I like, what I noticed on your website when I was checking it out is you're getting into these properties subject to, but you're not always selling them with owner financing. Sometimes you're getting people in as rent to own clients and doing, doing a, a switch to seller financing after a year or two. So maybe explain why you do that instead of just getting them in with the seller financing right off the get-go. Sure. So our our business is, you know, we don't want the, the headaches of the, of the, uh, the tenants for, for the most part. However, we want to make sure we're getting the right people into this home. So by, uh, by doing the, uh, the renting uh, for the first 12 months with the option to purchase the home, we want to make sure that they're going to make, sure, they're going to, uh, make their payments on time. They're not going to cause problems for the neighbors, you know, things along those lines. You want, you want to deal with the right sort of people. However, if they are that right sort of person, then we don't have a problem with switching them over to a contract for deed uh, and owner financing them at that point in time. Um, it makes sense for us. It makes sense for them. And then there you can move them along the path to home ownership at that point in the future. So the when they're doing, sorry, go ahead. The reason why that we like to do it for 12 months is a little thing called capital gains. So if you purchase a property and sell it before 12 months are up, it's considered a short-term capital gain, right? Ah. However, if you own the property for more than 12 months, now it becomes a long-term capital gain. So you can save on taxes by doing it this way. Also, when we do it on an installment sale, that also helps you with your taxes. That probably answered the question for me right there. So <laughs> I guess, but walk me through it from the buyer's perspective. So they start off as a tenant buyer doing a rent-to-own deal. Mm -hmm. 13 months in or whatever, yep. they you, you switch over to kind of seller financing with an agreement for sale or contract, land contract, whatever, whatever the terminology is where, where you're at. What's the advantage to them to do that versus just continuing with the rent-to-own? Because typically rent-to-own is part of their monthly 
rent payment is going towards a down payment installment. So it's almost kind of like paying down the mortgage kind of, but I guess not. So maybe explain that for me. So the benefits are typically the rent is going to be more than what the payment would be uh, when it's a mortgage. So they're going to save money that way. Uh, Also, once they have equitable interest in the property, now they get to take all the uh, benefits of being a homeowner. They get to write off the the property taxes, the insurance, all that good stuff, um, or sorry, not insurance, interest. Um, They get to write off the interest on their uh, their taxes when they do it. So it's the benefits of being an actual homeowner once we switch them over to this uh, land contract. That's right. So even though they aren't on title yet, they have that equitable interest and that's enough to trigger all of those benefits that you you mentioned. You got it. Makes sense. Yep. Okay. Perfect. Phil, this is fascinating stuff. Um, Really appreciate you kind of sharing your insights and your experience there. If people want to find out more and connect with you, what should they do? Sure. Uh, You can check out our website, which is Smithwell Group. Uh, S-M-I-T-H-W-E-L-L group.com. Uh, or you can uh, email me, phil at smithwellgroup.com. That's pretty easy. Thanks for being on the show, Phil. Thanks so much, Dave. I appreciate the time. All right, everybody. Take care. Talk to you on the next episode.